Greetings, my excellent friends. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome on into Wild Stallions. I'm Jay Catch. He is Sean Walker. And Sean, it took us only 12 episodes to get at least one listener to go watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, and how is only one of our dozens and dozens of listeners? There are dozens of us, Michael. There are dozens. dozens. Yes. How is, how is it that we only have one listener willing to go and watch the great cult classic that is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I don't know, but we always, as we always Y'all say... Y'all need to pull that DVD out of the closet. In fact... Pause this podcast right now. Go watch go, it. Go to your closet. Pull out Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, or open up Amazon Prime because it is on Prime Video. It is. And uh, and go scream Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and we'll wait for you. Then you can resume this podcast. We'll see you in an hour and a half. Ready? Okay. All right. Ready? So so pause it right now. And welcome back to the Wild Stallions podcast. Now that you've seen the cult <laughs> classic that is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Well done, Sean. Well done. Producing on the air. Uh, as we always say, Sean, there are strange things afoot in the Alliance. And I think the good news is this week for the Salt Lake Stallions in particular, Sean, we're talking about a victory. Hey, the Stallions won a game. Yeah, two and four on the year. Okay, so uh, we a couple weeks ago. They we won were, a game and it was against an actual team, although that is yet to be confirmed. Because it is now they they beat the worst team categorically the worst team in the Alliance of American Football, the Memphis. That may or may not have picked up a new quarterback this week. We we'll get to that. that. We'll get to that. Uh, but the, it's a win all the same, Sean. A couple weeks ago, we talked with Dennis Erickson. He was bemoaning the fact that his team had been unable to get chunk plays. We're talking big plays down the field, twenty yard, etc. Well, in the first half, at least of this win, Salt Lake Stallions beating the Memphis Express. The first half, at least, there were those chunk plays. And that's, that's a good sign. Now, can they go out and do it for a whole game? Because we, actually, we saw those chunk plays late against the San Diego Fleet the week before. That was more of a desperation move. It was good to see them do it early in a game, even if it was Memphis Express, who is the worst team by record in the league. Yeah, and also not just doing it early, but doing it in critical times, in yeah. critical moments. Um, the Stallions opened up this game on a uh, 19 nothing scoring spree. Mm-hmm. Both of their touchdowns in the first quarter of 10-plus yards, an 11-yarder to Nick Truesdale and then a 14-yard pass um, also from Josh Woodrum to, uh, to Anthony Denham to go up 60 nothing, and, uh, and and that I think that's a welcome change for Stallions yeah. fans. It's not just seeing the three yards on a cloud of dust pounded out to the goal line and then Joel Buonio eventually converts for from yeah. like two yards out um it's nice to see them opening up the playbook a little bit more and again this is against memphis so i, I don't want to make too much of this one game but we are talking about this one recap um and, and so you i i think you saw a little bit more creativity and and that's that's nice to see for sure. yeah so through through six weeks now salt lake is now two and four on the year they're in last place in the western conference in the alliance of american football but the good news is i think for stallions fans sean is well you look at it there's two teams ahead of them and they're only one game ahead three and three for both the san diego fleet and the arizona hot shots we'll talk about all of the other alliance action here in a little bit on the podcast but Salt Lake has dug themselves a pretty deep hole when it comes to playoff aspirations. The nice part is, Sean, it seems like week in and week out, you never know quite, 
never know what it's exactly going to play out with the games in the Alliance. So Salt Lake, despite being 2-4, and four, they're very much still alive in the playoff hunt. Yeah, only one game out of the playoffs right now, and that's maybe the beauty of playing in this Western Conference that is hyper-competitive mm-hmm. um, amongst those four teams. All four teams separated by just two wins in the win-loss column from yep. top to bottom. There's a, there's a lot more... Um, Parity for one. Parity is a way to say it for one reason or another. There's a lot more parity in the West than there is in the East where you have a team like the Orlando Apollos running away with the competition. Um, Although that wasn't necessarily the case this week. We'll get to that. So stick around for another segment. Um, But one, one win, one week. I mean, everything can change in the Alliance of American football, especially in the Western conference. And you definitely saw that. I think this week, you know, absolutely. So, yeah, I know I had a friend of mine reach out to me and say, well, the Stallions, they're 1-4. They're not making the playoffs. So I'm like, here's the thing. There's still a chance they could do it. They've got to, they've got to win, plain and simple. You've got to keep winning games, plain and simple. If you're a Salt Lake Stallions player, coach, you got to win games from here on out to make that dream a reality. But like you said, that competitive parity that we've seen in the Western Conference very much lends itself to the fact that you still very much have your playoff aspirations alive. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot of these players, especially on the offensive side of the ball, figure things out on the fly from a team that was kind of cobbled together last minute um, and didn't even come into market, get into the market, find their new home until uh, uh, almost three weeks into the regular season. But you're seeing guys like Josh Woodrum, who's cutting down on those those mistakes, those turnovers. He'd be the first to tell you he's got to quit with all the turnovers, especially like he did in San Diego. He only threw one interception against the Express. Uh, I mean, that is improvement. That is market improvement. Granted, there's a difference going from San Diego to Memphis. Sure, I'll buy that. But there's definitely improvement there. 243 yards and two touchdowns is something to hang your hat on, kind of an upward trajectory. Uh, You're seeing Joel Buano start to figure things out in the run game. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that offensive line start to figure out, uh, especially Buano, who's kind of emerging now as the lead running back amidst a bunch of injuries and whatnot you're seeing them figure out his tendencies and what he likes to do when carrying the ball. Uh, you're seeing these receivers slowly but surely get on the same page with Woodrum. I mean, you're you're seeing synchronicity. You're seeing gelling, yeah. I think. They're starting to gel together. Um, and, yes, we're halfway through the season, but better late than never. And in the Western Conference, still halfway through the season, there's still plenty of time to try to make a run at a playoff spot. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's the more important part is that you can have that opportunity, uh, Sean. So plus, this defense is really good. That's what I wanted to get to. I want to talk <laughs> about the defense here. The multiple sacks that came out of this game, and I get that Memphis. Yeah, they're one of the worst teams in the league, but for what Salt Lake did, Tenny Palapoy two sacks. Carter Schultz is still leading the league in sacks. He's got seven now. He actually was named Player of the Week this week. He just came out. Week 6 player of, Defensive Player of the Week in the Alliance of American Football. And I believe it's the first individual citation for a Salt Lake Stallions player this year. Carter Schultz, your Defensive Player of the Week for his efforts. Five total tackles, two sacks. He leads the league in sacks. That guy is going to be back in the NFL before long. Yeah, and some breaking political news. Okay. There is a new mayor in town. Oh, yeah? The mayor of Sac Lake City... It's Carter Schultz. It's true. He's He's been lights out. It's been awesome to see. And they got after the quarterback. Brian, this week you're out of the political game, but I'm not. I'm pronouncing <laughs> Carter Schultz as the mayor of Sac Lake City. Yeah, he might as well. He's He's been great. And I think it's a good sign that the defense continues to play well for the Stallions. They've only, only given up 121 points on the season. And 
relative, I know that number is relative considering San Diego's given up 121. Uh, Birmingham, by the numbers in terms of points allowed, is the most stingy defense with 93 on the year. But I think that the Salt Lake defense continues to keep this team in games. That's a good sign. The other good note I wanted to say here is that pro football focus, they have an entire arm dedicated to the Alliance of American Football. Do you know who the number two rated quarterback this week is behind Garrett Gilbert, who you'd expect to be number one? I'm going to guess Josh Woodrum. It is Josh Woodrum. They said that he is far and away the second best quarterback in terms of the numbers, the way they kind of analyze things, and that's a good sign. I think that Josh Woodrum has really come along. This offense is starting to open up a little bit. Like you said, he's getting more in tune with his wide receivers, and despite all the injuries that we've seen of late for Salt Lake, they've made multiple roster adjustments. We'll talk about one here in a moment. I think the good news is this offense is starting to open up, and that's a good sign as you face the final four games of this regular season. Yeah, and Woodrum, Woodrum really starting to come into his own is certainly a great sign for the Stallions, and he's starting to look like the rest of the quarterbacks in the league in a lot of ways. Maybe sans Gilbert. I mean, Garrett Gilbert is he's he's better than the Alliance of American Football, for lack of a better term. He's yeah. a guy who's going to be in the NFL next year. But taking him out, Josh Woodrum is starting to look more like like guys like Logan Woodside at yes, San Antonio, absolutely. like guys like Luis Perez at, at uh, in in Birmingham. He's starting to look more like kind of that that prototypical and um, maybe average Alliance of American Football quarterback, for lack of a better term. I don't mean. I don't mean average like no, like we tend to say colloquially, yeah. but he's just looking like a normal AAF quarterback anymore, mm-hmm. um, which is good considering the injury issues that he had at the start of the year. He he seems to have put those behind him, um, and and that's leading more to chemistry. That's leading more to just managing the huddle, uh, leadership qualities. That I mean, this guy's a leader, mm-hmm. plain and simple. He's he's always very quick to address the media to tell his teammates where things are going wrong. What, what, you know, any issues that are happening, that sort of thing. Um, and that's that's a good thing, I think, for the Stallions with regards to Josh Woodrum. Absolutely. All right, one final note before we take a break here. We're going to come back, and you're going to hear from Salt Lake Stallions head coach Dennis Erickson. Sean was able to catch up with him after media availability today. We'll play that in the next segment, let you hear from him, get his thoughts on the win over Memphis, and probably also some thoughts looking ahead to their Week 7 matchup at San Antonio. But I do need to add one thing. It's a player roster um, news and notes. Uh, the Stallions have placed defensive back Siante Evans, who they just recently signed Brand to the roster. Baby. Well, he's now on the injured reserve, so Aww. that was quick. But they, in a corresponding move, they have signed defensive back Jeremiah Johnson from Concord. When I think of Jeremiah Johnson, Sean, I think of the Cub Scout camp I went to as a kid here in the state of Utah. That's what I think of. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Jeremiah Johnson. Camp Jeremiah Johnson. That, that does kind of sound like a scout camp name. Oh, it, it? absolutely. But yeah. Jeremiah Johnson, welcome to the team. Uh, kind of, It's sad to see Siante Evans. You get signed, and all, all of a sudden, immediately you're put on injured reserve. But them's the knocks when it comes to pro football. So welcome, Jeremiah Johnson, to the roster. Yeah, and another guy with some NFL experience signed a free agent deal with the Colts just uh, just about a year back, but it's eventually cut, just like everybody else in the Alliance of American Football. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but this is a guy who who originally signed with Maryland in high school, or uh, out of high school, um, before uh, winding up at a couple of stops. And, and uh, if he can make this secondary better, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to going to trust those coaches. Yeah, absolutely. So welcome to the roster. And Sean, I, I, I know this is going to burst your bubble a little bit, but you know how you you made uh, Carter Schultz the mayor of Sac Lake City? Well, the Stallions beat you to it. 
Uh, boo. You see this tweeted out. Mayor of Sa- Sac Lake City reporting for player of the week duties, dot, 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 with an emoji. Congrats, Carter Schultz. So they beat you to the punch, unfortunately. Boo. Great minds think alike. That's Absolutely. Fine. That's all right. All right. We will step aside here. We'll come back, catch up on everything that happened in week six of the Alliance. Big news. A big-name quarterback coming to the Alliance and signing with Memphis. We'll talk about that next right here on Wild Stallions. <laughs> You are listening to Wild Stallions, recapping week six of what happened in the Alliance. Sean, of course, we already talked about the Salt Lake Stallions picking up their second win of the season, but there were three other games, and the most shocking result of the weekend is Arizona knocking off previously undefeated Orlando. 22-17, the Apollos, the Apollos, Jake, are undefeated no more. I thought they were going to go undefeated the whole year. That was just me. I mean, you could have made an argument for it. They were certainly looking like the class of the league, um, class of the offense, certainly. Garrett Gilbert, Gilbert, really as good as they come in the alliance. And in a lot of ways, he outplayed Arizona quarterback John Wolford, your boy, the Wolford wagon. I mean, he he outplayed him quite simply. Um, Defensively, not so much. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, so... It was a shock result, plain and simple, because Orlando's been so good. They've been good on both sides of the ball. I, I've talked about it previously, Sean. We did our we did our week five podcast, and we talked about our midseason awards. And pretty much, I had a clean sweep for the most part for Orlando. But it was cool to see Arizona flex some muscle because you've seen them kind of fade here in the last few weeks. But good to see them kind of get back, right the ship a little bit. And I think this is a win that could pro- propel them back into contention. Yeah, and, and if you're Orlando, I mean, you take the loss, take the L, as they say in our uh, in the Fortnite generation. Um, but there was a lot of good things that the Apollos did. 8 of 15 on third down, outgained the hot shots 369 to 341. Ideally, you want to keep them a little bit lower mm-hmm. there defensively, but that's not a terrible number. Um, you know, they had fewer penalties, you know, scored as many touchdowns, two touchdowns apiece. Obviously, a couple extra field goals for Arizona. That's that's pretty much the difference there. Um, but defensively, um, Orlando's defense did not force a turnover. Arizona turnover free, yep. and then consequentially, they gave the ball. Away, the Apollos gave the ball away just twice. Not a huge deal, but still, but just twice. Minus two in the turnover, and yeah, margin. minus two in the turnover margin. I think that's really the difference. If you're if you're this Apollos defense, you want to try to make. You know, you know, create more takeaways, create yes. more havoc. Well, they've been they've been very good the at offense, that. Yeah, they'd done that early on in the season. They'd turn over a bunch of people, so surprising to see them struggle in that department. But yeah, you lose the turnover battle more often than not, you're going to lose those games. All right, Sean, let's move on to another shock result, and I think this is a result that really establishes this team as a, as, an, as a real contender in my mind, despite the opposition, and that is the San Antonio Commanders. Absolutely roughing up the Atlanta Legends, thirty-seven to six. Yeah, another one. Speaking of that turnover margin, four Atlanta turnovers, yep. mostly in the first half. This San Antonio team got out to a twenty-five to six lead at halftime, and then just salted it away after that. Uh, Mike Riley was my first half coach of the year. Yep, you may recall from last week, doing it again. 
Absolutely, and they've been on a four-game road trip. I didn't realize this, Sean. San Antonio's been on the road. Their first home game back at home is when Salt Lake goes to San Antonio since their season opener. So they've played the majority of the road games, and they are sitting now atop the Western Conference. San Antonio very much has come along very nicely. Uh, Daryl Moose Johnson deserves a lot of credit for putting that roster together. Mike Riley, of course, obviously, for coaching it up. Yeah, 100%. And then defensively, picking off a guy like Aaron Murray three times, um, holding him to 250 yards and a touchdown otherwise, that that's an impressive performance. Yeah. All right, and then the final game this past weekend is Birmingham at San Diego, and this was a little bit of a barn burner. Birmingham prevails 32-29. to I didn't know that Birmingham could score over 20 points, Sean. What in the world? <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. They got a little bit of help. They did. From, uh, from the spot, from kicker Nick Novak, um, in particular nailing a 44-yard field goal as time expires to take that win. Uh, 32 to 29, but uh, yeah, you know, a little bit of offense never hurt anybody, and Luis Perez definitely came on in relief of Keith Price, who had replaced him a week earlier. Yeah, and he and he definitely came away with a little bit of offense, 359 yards and two touchdowns. Also turned the ball over uh, twice through two interceptions. But if you th- if you throw the ball, if you're a Birmingham quarterback or really a quarterback in the state of Alabama, and you throw the ball 49 times, there's a pretty good chance you're going to throw at least one interception. Or your name is Joe Namath. Or your name is Joe Namath. <laughs> one way or the other. But yeah, it was impressive. Birmingham, it very much is clear, Sean, in the Eastern Conference, it goes Orlando, then Birmingham. Those two teams have a lead. They're probably going to be the two teams representing the East in the playoffs. Whereas the Western Conference, it's still all muddled up. But I'm really thinking that I would pick right now San Antonio is probably one of the two playoff teams coming out of the West. Yeah, for sure. And Birmingham bouncing back really nicely from last week's loss to Orlando. Good to see them. Uh, I mean, an unconventional win against San Diego, but kind of a gritty win. Nice bounce back there. And and I agree. I mean, you've you've got a very clear pecking order in the East. And San Antonio all of a sudden... um, if they can make, if they can put together a little bit of a run in the next two or three weeks, like they have been lately, they're going to establish themselves as the clear class of that parity-driven Western Conference. Well, I think that all the, I think they've got most of most of their games the rest of the way, if not all of them, are home games. So that'll be interesting to track that. But Sean, before we go, we do need to talk about the big news coming out from the Alliance this week, and that is one Johnny Manziel is in the Alliance of American Football. Sorry, Salt Lake Stallions fans, you missed out by a week of seeing him live because he is now a Memphis Express player. Is he Memphis Expressian? What are we calling the Memphis? Uh, he's a Memphis Express fight. He's a Memphibian. Memphibian, okay. He's a Memphibian. Oh, there you go. But he was barred from signing with any other team in the Canadian Football League. We don't know what that was. They've never revealed what rule he broke that got him barred from the entire CFL. There was something in his contract, though. Yeah, he but he, do, yeah. he broke it. He signed a standard player contract, so the $70,000 deal or the three-year $250,000 deal with the Alliance. And, Sean, I'm really thinking if, if Johnny Manziel wants to play pro football, this is probably his last stand. Yeah, I mean, this this is his chance to rebuild his image, not only on the field, but also off the field, prove that he can be a good teammate. He's already reported to practice yeah. practice with the Express. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and he's already gone to Memphis. He's already practicing with that team. I would expect to see him playing with that team sooner rather than later. Memphis had to go th- jump through a lot of hoops um, and get a lot of teams to kind of wave away their rights, sign off. Well, because um, San Antonio owned it because of yeah. his college allocation rights. So they had to first wave. And then apparently the rule after that was the team with the lowest win percentage, which 
now that we know, Salt Lake and Memphis were playing for the right to get Johnny Manziel essentially last year. Johnny Manziel could have been a stallion. Could have been a stallion. Could have been been a stallion. That would have been incredible. That's all right, though. Josh Woodrum better. Absolutely. Um, Sean, so I'm interested to see, though, because Zach Mettenberg, we saw him go down early after a sack by Carter Schultz. Johnny Manziel is probably the starting quarterback by default for Memphis this yeah, week. Yeah, Brandon Silvers didn't really leave a whole lot of uh, of uh, chutzpah, a whole lot of reason to keep riding with him, I think, against Salt Lake. And so. they have to cut a player to make room for him because they have the three quarterbacks already with Christian Hackenberg on the roster. So I'm assuming Silvers or Hackenberg is leaving the roster to make room for Manziel. Or depending on what, you know, somebody probably gets put on IR for him. That also, yeah. yeah. Uh, he has an arm injury. You're going on IR, son. See you later. Uh, we'll see. But I do think that Johnny Manziel, I'm, it's my opinion that you probably see him at least this week in at least a mop-up or backup role, if not starting. Yeah, that, that arm injury might be, he can't throw the ball very far, but that's talk, neither here nor there. You're talking about Christian Hackenberg? No, I, it's true. Though. Hackenberg has been less than stellar. So, yeah, it'll be interesting this week because uh, – I'm interested to see how it all shakes out for Manziel because I really do feel like this is his last opportunity. If he wants to be a true quarterback, he wants to play quarterback in in professional football. You got to prove it now. Yeah, both both on the field and off the field. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. and I think and I think that off the field is going to be just as important as what he does on the field because we know that we know that Johnny Football is talented. He won a freaking Heisman Trophy. I mean, he was one of the last quarterbacks. to be able to hang with the college football powerhouse that is Alabama and mm-hmm. even beat them. Um, you know, we we know the talent that he has. No matter what happened in Cleveland, no matter what happened in Montreal, no matter what happened um, in uh, Hamilton. Yep, Hamilton Tigers. Um, you know, we, we know the type of talent that he has. Um, I think Johnny Manziel, we're, we're, we could call this sort of a rehab stint yeah. for Johnny Manziel. Uh, in the Alliance of American Football, to borrow a little bit of a of a minor league baseball term, um, but that rehab isn't for an injury; it's for it, it's for his 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 image, his yeah. charisma, his his brand. Yeah, I hate using that word. I hate that word in every way. But but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what his what his rehab is as, as much as anything physical. Yeah, absolutely. So he actually gets to face the professional Alabama team in Birmingham this week. Birmingham at Memphis. Should be interesting. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. All right, Sean, we'll be back later this week with a preview of all the games this weekend, including Salt Lake at San Antonio. Should be an interesting matchup there. Thanks to you, Sean, for spending the time to record this podcast. And, yeah, we'll be back later this week. Got any final thoughts before we go? As always, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Uh, Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Be excellent to each other. And party on!